Good morning, everyone. Sorry, I'm dropping things everywhere. Um, I don't know if you know this. We just we love to celebrate marriage in this church. If you haven't seen Brenz and Kim today, they're an amazing couple. It's not their anniversary today, um, so we're not celebrating that. But would you guys just stand for a minute, just so we can just honor you guys as a couple. Um, couples that dress the same. It's just so cute. It's such a beautiful thing. Um, so we love you guys. Thank you for being an example to this church of marriage. Um, and we celebrate you guys together today. I didn't really know what to do, but I just thought that needed to be mentioned. Um, any other couples dressed the same together want to stand and receive the applause of the church? Um, today really is Vision Sunday for us as Harbour City. And it is great to all be together. If you are new here, if this is your first time, you've come on a really great week because you're going to find out a little bit more about who we are and why we exist as a church. And I think probably some of you are like, Vision Sunday, what a cool idea. I love that. Some of you are like, wow, that sounds super corporate and lame. I hate that idea. So I don't know what side you're on today, but you should have found one of these really beautiful kind of vision, mission, and culture flyers on your chair. And I won't embarrass her by asking her to stand, but Mrs. Courtney Maloney at the back designed those for us and um, I think did an incredible job. So I really want to encourage you, why don't you put that in your Bible if you've got one or put it on your fridge or take photos of it if that's the only thing you kind of carry around. Keep that on your phone wherever you go or just keep this thing as something just to be reminded of. I'd love you to read it through and memorize it and pray it through and think it through and go through those scriptures and actually see why we live for what we do as a church. And the reason we do a day like Vision Sunday today, for those of you who've been around for a while, is that this is a reminder for us as a church. This is why we exist and this is who we are. And if you are new, this is really to paint a picture of our dream as a church, of where we're going and what we want to do and who we want to become. And it's kind of the direction that we're headed in together as a community. And I think really one of the reasons um, you might be here is because you want to be part of something that is bigger than yourself. You know, I think for so many of us, that's true. You know, we want to find meaning in something. We want to be part of something that matters. We want to be part of something that makes a difference. We want to be part of something that transcends our ordinary, like, everyday lives. We want to be part of something more. And I'm sure some of you would have heard about this, but last week, a really significant world record was broken. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's a big moment in the history of the world. If you haven't seen it or heard about it, maybe there was something that kind of, like, crossed your path this last week. But last week, a world record was made of the most likes on an Instagram post in the history of the world. This is something that matters, you guys. This is something to get behind. And uh, Kylie, not Kylie Minogue, what's her name? <laughs> See, this really matters to me. Kylie Jenner and her photo of her little baby girl Stormy holding her finger was the number one seated photo in the history of the world. 18 and a half million likes. People really like that baby. And sadly, it was destroyed by world record egg. Now listen, when I started talking about this, you might have thought this is going to be like some beautiful landscape or some incredible moment that some photographers caught with their camera, but really it's just a plain egg on a white background. And as of this morning, when I checked, it's sitting on 49 and a half million likes. If you haven't liked it yet, let's just push that over the edge and get to 50 million. But it's almost, almost three times the number of likes that cute little girl got. People saw this. They saw World Record Egg was going for something big. And they thought, this is something that matters. This is something I can get behind. This is a cause I believe in. I want to like that. I want you to know I liked it. Sure, anyone else in the room, did you like World Record Egg this week? Well, I want you to know that as exciting as this was, 
it doesn't mean a thing. It's one of those things that some of you have already started to forget about. Oh yeah, I like that egg this week. In a few weeks time, no one's going to remember this. This is not going to be something you tell your kids about like, oh, that week in 2019 where I was part of breaking a world record. I liked that picture of a white background with a plain egg on it. Our kids wouldn't understand it. They think it was weird. You, you clicked on a photo and you made a world record. They're not going to understand that at all. But I think what it does illustrate is that we want to be part of something bigger than ourselves. We want to do something great. We want to do something that really matters. And the church of Jesus Christ has got an incredibly important purpose in this world. The church of Jesus has got a purpose that matters for this life, for the here and now, and it matters for all of eternity too. And that's a huge thing for you and I to be a part of. I want to say there are so many institutions and organizations in our world that are doing incredible things to make our world a better place and to take pain away from people and to be a voice for the voiceless and to deal with injustice and brokenness in our world. There are so many people who are part of incredible things, doing amazing things. But the church is a unique group of people because it goes to the root of all of the problems, kind of the cause underneath everything else that we see that is wrong in this world. And it deals with sin. The church is this group that deals with sin to heal our world and to reconcile us to God. And sin is the thing that separates us from God and it separates us from one another. That's why there's so much prejudice and division and just horrible things going on all around our world. And more than that, sin is what separates us from ourselves. Sin is what causes all sorts of um, brokenness and insecurity and just things being off inside of our own souls and our own minds and our own hearts. And we see this every single day. We see this in the news, in article after article. We experience this and feel this in our own lives. And we experience this in the decisions and the actions of the words and the people around us. Whether it's pride or insecurity or narcissism or selfishness. Whether it's people struggling with bitterness and shame and guilt and fear and hurt and unforgiveness. Whether it's the injustice and unfairness we maybe experience at home or at work or somewhere in the society whether it's broken marriages or broken families or broken relationships or broken trust, whether it's sexual abuse or the poverty and crime and inequality and corruption we see in our country, all of these things have this root of sin underneath the surface causing these things to grow up and affect people's lives. I think all of us can agree, whatever page you're on today when it comes to God, that things are not the way that they should be. And thinking about this for today, I just thought one of the devil's greatest strategies has probably been making us minimize sin and not think about sin being the root cause of everything that is wrong with our world. Harvest City, what we exist for as a church is to link our world's greatest need with God's unconditional love and infinite power. That's what we exist for as a church in this world. We exist to partner with God as he makes things the way that they are meant to be again and the brokenness and sin and imperfection that they're currently in. And that is the mission of Jesus and his church in our world today. And if you've got a Bible today, you can turn to Acts 14. This is probably one of our foundational passages or kind of key texts as a church. And as we read this today, we're going to see how Paul, this apostle, this preacher, this pastor was helping a community of people in a specific area to link the salvation of God with the brokenness and need in people's lives and in these places. So let's see how he did that, because this is how we as a church can partner with God in doing this too. Acts 14 verse 21. And when they, 
this group of people, Paul and his crew, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders or pastors for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Our vision as a church is to know Jesus and make Jesus known. Kind of this vertical and horizontal mission that God has called us to. And we're committed to that because we believe that Jesus is the solution and answer to the greatest problems in our world. We believe, as Jesus says, that he is the way and the truth and the life. That it's all about Jesus. As David Platt says, that Jesus lived the life that we should have lived and that he died the death we deserve to die. And more than that, he rose victorious and he conquered the enemies of sin, of Satan, and of the world that we were unable to defeat. That is what, is what Jesus has done for us. That is the good news. Jesus is the gospel. And last year as a church, we actually spent the whole year looking at this idea of knowing Jesus. don't know if you realize this or not, but that's kind of what we gave 2018 to. And we kind of started the year with a series around knowing God. And we looked at a whole lot of these practices or disciplines on how to build a relationship with Jesus. Not how to know God, but how you can build and strengthen a relationship with Him. Then we kind of did the series around life in the Spirit. And we looked at what it was to be filled with the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit and empowered by Him in everyday life. We went through the book of Ephesians, which to me was just a highlight during the year. And we looked at the new identity that we have in Christ. The fact that who we are is not what we have done and who we are, but... God sees us in terms of who we are in Christ and what he has done. It completely reframes our lives and everything about us. And then we also spend some time looking at Jesus and our sexuality and Jesus and our finances. We gave that whole year to knowing him. And we did that because we believe that this is what our world needs the most, to know him, that he is the solution, he is the answer to our greatest problems, that only Jesus can forgive sin and wash us clean from the things that we have done and the things that have been done to us. That only Jesus can redeem broken lives and broken marriages and broken families and broken hearts and broken stories and situations that are just beyond repair. That only Jesus can heal some of the sick and toxic things that are going on in the world that we live in, but also in our world, you know, in our internal world or in the world we experience every day. That only Jesus can set us free from some of the sins and lies that are shaping our lives that are shaping who we are, and that are also shaping how we see the world around us and how we engage with different people. We believe that Jesus is the answer. And that's why when Paul went to a new place like this, he preached Jesus and he tried to gather this community of Jesus followers because he needed to be the center. He was the answer to all of this. And last year in September, some of you would have heard me say this, but our eldership team went away and we prayed and planned and talked about 2019, what we were going to do. But really, at the core of it, we were saying, Lord, what is it you want from us as a church? What are you highlighting? Where are we going? What do you want us to focus on? What do you want us to do? And it was quite cool as we kind of threw things around that one afternoon on the couches, that basically there were these two ideas that came through and what everyone said. And I think after discussing this all, Kimmy kind of summarized it really well. And she said, 2018 was a year of knowing God. 2019 is a year of of making God known. That's what we were called to do in this year. And that's exactly what we see here in this passage in Acts 14. 
Starts with this word, they. And they together, Paul and the crew, they preached the gospel. And I kind of love those three words because I'm a bit of a word nerd. Those three words in English are one word in Greek that I'm going to completely wreck here. But it's the word evangelism annoy. You know that word? That's what that word is. And if we were to translate that word literally rather than they preached the gospel, it would be they gospeled that city. They gospeled that city. And I love that idea of a place being saturated by the good news of Jesus, who he is and what he's done. And Paul wants to make Jesus known. He wants to share this good news because he knows that Jesus alone is the answer and solution to that place and to that group of people. So Harbor City, we want to gospel Durban. That's what we want to do. We want to gospel Durban with the message of Jesus. And that's why we're starting this Alpha course next week. And that's right. If you didn't realize it, if you've kind of zoned out through all of these Alpha notices, now we've been going for a while. We're starting on Tuesday or Wednesday or Saturday next week, depending on the group that you're in. And we're excited. But really, in a nutshell, if you're still not sold on Alpha, Alpha is like a blind date. It's probably like the best comparison that I've got. All we can do as a church is kind of create this mood, you know. We can bring people together with Jesus in a room, and they can spend some time together and suss each other out. And we can hope that something special is going to happen, but we can't do any more than that. Alpha is about making a connection between our friends and family and Jesus and hoping for something special, but we can't force anything else. So we've been praying and trusting that he would do something special, but really Alpha is just a blind date. And we believe for us as a church this year, as we seek to make Jesus known, this year is about two things. It's about mission and it's about ministers. And what I mean by that is because Jesus is who he says he is, and because his message is true, we really want to try and create some space for every person who is part of Harbor City. If you call this church home, we want to try and create some space for you to be involved in sharing the message of Jesus with the people in your lives. That's why we're doing Alpha now, you know? Whatever part it is that you might play, whether you're hosting a group or cooking a meal or inviting someone or praying, whatever it is that you're doing, throughout this year, we want to create those opportunities so that you can play a part and that we see this culture of evangelism or this culture of sharing about Jesus formed inside of us and it becoming something that is normal for each one of us who are here today. And we would love you to grow in a confidence in being able to share about Jesus with others, and also just being comfortable in doing that so it's not something that freaks you out too much. The other thing, in terms of the minister's part, we want to train and equip you in terms of the stuff. I know for some people this is quite an intimidating thing. You're not sure what to do or how to do it. We really want to equip you and help you to be able to minister to others to serve others, to teach others, to invest into others, to help others, to point people to Jesus, whatever it is. We want to give you what to say and do. We want to try and move those obstacles out of your way that kind of are our excuses and hold us back from doing something that all of us would want to do. And we want you to be able to do the stuff Jesus did. We want to join him in his work in the city. And we're going to start preaching through the book of Acts next week, which I'm really excited about because it talks about the mission of the church. I think it's going to get us really excited. I think it's going to set us on fire as a church for what he's called us to this year. But really the mission of the book of Acts is our mission as a church. And Courtney's helped us to kind of visually represent this. But we've said that what happens in the book of Acts and what happens in Acts 14 can be summarized into four big ideas there. To make disciples, to equip everyone, to multiply churches, and to renew Durban. And that is the answer to the question. That is how we meet the world's great need with God's unconditional love and infinite power. That is how we do this as a church. 
So this morning, I just want to look at those four ideas, and we'll shut it down. The first thing is make disciples. And this idea of discipleship starts with the gospel. It starts with this message of Jesus. And really, it's about introducing people to him and then helping people to take their next steps in following him. And I'd love to put this before you today. What is your next step? If you're exploring Christianity, what is your next step in terms of what you believe, what you're going to do about this stuff? If you've been a Christian for a while, what is your next step in terms of growing and following him? What is the Spirit even highlighting to you today as we meet together? But this word discipleship is an interesting word. It's kind of got two meanings, which makes it fun to play around with. And the first word, or the first idea, has got to do with our discipleship to Jesus. You know, it's got to do with the fact that we are disciples and we are following him. And the bad news about that is each one of us are responsible for following Jesus for ourselves. You know, we can't kind of put that on anyone else or blame anyone else because we're not following him. That's our responsibility. That's something we need to take hold of. We need to make sure that we are following him for ourselves. But secondly, discipleship is about us discipling others, investing into others, mentoring or teaching or helping others to grow in their faith and following Jesus. I think this is something that really excites me because I think for every one of us in this room, you can think of someone in your life who has played a positive, formative role in who you are today. Maybe just think for a second, someone in your life who has shaped in a positive way the person you are sitting here. might be good even after this to send them a text and say thank you. Thank you, mom. Thank you, dad. Thank you, friend. Thank you, whoever you are. Just encourage them and let them know what they've meant to you. And if you are a Christian here today, I'm sure you've got some people in your life who've done that too set you an example of what it is to follow Jesus, or they've prayed for you, or they've encouraged you, or they've answered your questions, or they've helped you when you've been down, or when you've wanted to give up on this faith thing, or when something really tough has happened in your life, they have been there. And as we sit here today, and as we kind of look on that, there's this reality that those people sacrificed, and they gave up time, and they were uncomfortable, and they did things that probably didn't serve them, it was just about you, because they wanted to see you grow. They wanted to invest into you. They wanted you to mature in your faith. And I think that's an incredible thing. And probably for all of us in this room, if you're a follower of Jesus, that's a next step we need to take from just receiving and getting and kind of taking from other people to finally saying, okay, I'm not just going to be discipled. I'm going to disciple. I'm not just going to take. I'm not just going to be a consumer. I want to like get in on the game. You know, I want to help someone else. I want to invest into them. Just what they have done for me. And what their life is meant for me, I want to be that for someone else. And that's part of what following Jesus entails for each one of us. We really dream of Harbor City being a church of disciples and disciple makers. That's what we want, you know. Where discipleship is our thing. Kind of joked about this a few times, you know. Where this is like at a restaurant where they've got a special recipe. This is like their dish. We want discipleship to be like that for us. It's our secret sauce. It's our special move. We've joked about having a black belt in discipleship as a church. That's the direction we're headed. That's who we want to be, Harbor City. And you're invited to join in. And this isn't just like a new idea because this is what Jesus prioritized in his life and ministry. This is what he gave himself to. Everywhere Jesus went, everything he did, he was investing into others. He was making disciples. And we want to make the priority of our church and the priority of our lives the priority that Jesus has. So we want to give ourselves to making disciples. The second thing we see in Acts 14 is that Paul equipped everyone. He equipped everyone. He developed, he trained, he upskilled people for leadership 
and ministry in the church. And I don't know where you are today, or maybe what you feel is like your obstacle to like, I don't know, taking things forward with him. But I was thinking about my journey kind of as growing as a Christian as a, and as a leader in the church. So I'm the lead pastor of Harbor City, to use like a fancy title, which I don't often say. But I remember as a 17-year-old walking into Red Point Church being super green. Like, I, I wish I had photos to show you. It was, it was not a good time for me. But I walked into this church open, kind of listening to what was going on, and kind of not being sure what I believed or where I was at, and having a lot of questions. And I think as I started to grow in my faith and started to actually care about this church stuff and Jesus and what he was all about, all of a sudden I had a ton of questions. Like my mind was buzzing with all of this stuff. And I think I'm sure if you've been in like a midweek group or something before, one of our life groups, you've seen one of those people that asks like the really inappropriate, awkward, hard um, controversial question, which kind of was going to be awkward for everyone in the group. I was that guy because I didn't know. I didn't know any better. You know, I just thought this is on my mind. Let me put that out there. I want to learn. I want to grow. I'd be asking those things because I really was just hungry for more of God. And I was thinking just to give you an illustration of how awkward I felt in the church space. I remember probably being in church for about three months and I'd watch people in worship, and they were kind of expressing, expressing their love for Jesus and just singing those songs and getting into the whole music thing. And I think our band just did so well today. But um, I remember being there and just thinking, I, I kind of want to do the hand raise thing, you know. I want to sing songs and kind of express my worship to Jesus. And just being so nervous, like, it seems so silly to me now, but maybe you're in the same boat where you are. But I was just so nervous to raise my hands in worship. And I remember getting to this point where I made the decision, I'm going to do it today, which is, I'm probably the only person in the room who's had that. It's like, today I'm going to raise my hands when I sing, I'm going to really do this. And I was standing there with my palms sweaty, like Eminem style, palms were sweaty, and I was trying to get up the courage to do this. And, you know, you're kind of waiting and you're like, no, everyone's watching me. I don't want to actually, you know, I don't want people to see. You feel like all eyes are on you and you feel like people are going to judge you. Like you're not holy enough or grant you like this new Christian. How can you raise your hands? And then I thought like, what if I do it wrong? And there's all this stuff going through my mind. And I finally just go, ah, I'm going to commit. And I start to raise my hands and I stop like halfway. I'm like, okay, that's all I've got for today, but it's all right. Like, kind of locked and loaded here. I don't know what the song was. I think I kind of zoned out. It wasn't about the music anymore, but God was doing something. This was my next step at that point. I was kind of like, okay, I've got this. I've got this. I've got my hands up halfway. And eventually I was just like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> These hands need to go down, kind of wipe the sweat off. Like, And as silly as that illustration is, that was like a big moment for me. I mean, clearly that was a big moment for me. In obeying Jesus, this was like a moment of me saying, I'm going to get out of my comfort zones and I'm going to do what it is to follow you in the space. I think there were like a lot of those moments for me. I remember starting to pray out loud in life group. And um, I think probably those first prayers, because I'd probably, like my longest prayer was like 10 seconds before that point, maybe five. Now all of a sudden I'm praying in front of people that are critting my prayer, you know. So I'd kind of like mumble through some words I'd heard before and then confidently, amen, at the end. You know, you know you're meant to end with that. But I would just get through that. I just think of the gospel like I knew the gist of it. I knew that Jesus saves. You know, I knew he died on the cross for my sins. I knew he loved me. But I think sometimes when I shared this with my friends, it was a, it was a hot mess. I probably did more harm than good sometimes, but I was growing and learning. 
I think about the first time I shared in a life group, I feel like I just blacked out, you know. I'd prepared hard, I'd prayed. As soon as it was my time to speak, I just blacked out, woke up the next morning in bed, and I just, it was over, but I knew it hadn't gone well, you know. It was that kind of feeling. And I think of all of those moments in church and out of church, having these tough questions being asked to me by friends that I'd never processed. And all of a sudden you're thinking, why have I never thought of that? That's a really good question. I've got to get that answer for myself before I can even tell my friend. I was learning and growing as a disciple, you know. I was starting to develop my theology and these jigsaw puzzle pieces were starting to fit together and this picture of what Jesus was all about and the church was all about and Christianity was all about was starting to become clearer to me. I was getting it. And through all of these kind of missteps and experiences and just saying yes and wanting to do things that I was maybe uncomfortable with, I was developing a bit of skill, you know, and praying and raising my hands and whatever else it was. And probably a few opportunities in life group to bring eats or to pray a prayer or to share a message or something. I was getting some ministry skill and experience and answering these questions that my friends were asking me. I was kind of beginning to lead and minister and teach and evangelize and do all of these things. I was growing slowly and I was becoming equipped for ministry in all of life, not just in the church, but in all of life. And in Acts 14, that's exactly what we see Paul is doing with this group of people. He goes into this place. And he gathers some people, and they're all babies in the faith. And he gets some leaders together, and he appoints them as elders, and they're going to shepherd and care for and teach this community of people. And he gathers the rest, and he strengthens them, and he encourages them, and he teaches them so that they can grow up in the faith themselves. And Paul does this because he didn't want to be the only person with all of the answers and with all of the skills, so that everyone was going to him all of the time. He needed to raise up a group of people who are able to do the things that he did to people who could teach who could set an example who could care who could pray who could invest into others who could help skill people in ministry and harbor city for us sundays are a really big day like sunday is a big day for the church but i want to say sunday is not the game sunday for the church really is like the halftime locker room pep talk that's what we're doing right now We're gathered together, we're worshiping Jesus, we're praying, we're learning, we're growing. Hopefully we're being challenged a bit, hopefully we're being encouraged a little bit. We're spending time together as cheesy as it sounds, as brothers and sisters in the faith. And we're hopefully building one another up in the faith. And we're being reminded of what is most important. And we go out into the game, the world around us, life. And we live for Jesus and we live as ministers and missionaries in the city of Durban. And as a church, that's what we want to prepare you for. We want to prepare you to bring Jesus into your everyday life, into every part of everyday life, so that he could be the center of everything and that every part of life could be sacred and holy and beautiful and lived for his glory. I'd love you to be able to minister to yourself, to be able to know God for yourself and to encourage others, whether it's in your marriage or in your family or in your workplace or just in society and culture, that we could minister to others. This is kind of the fancy term that theologians have called the priesthood of all believers, if you've never heard that before. Really, that means that every single Christian is called by him to be a minister and a missionary. That's something that all of us are called to. Don't disqualify yourself. Don't write yourself off. We're all called to that thing. Kind of the picture which develops in so many of our minds about the church is there's the pastor and he does the ministry and the ministry happens on Sundays. 
But as we read through the New Testament, we see instead a community of Jesus followers filled with the Spirit of God and empowered to go out into the world around us to share about Jesus, the hope of the world, to care for the people around us, the people in our sphere of influence, and to see the kingdom of God come in all of life. We want to grow in that as a church this year. We're going to be bringing some people in with different gifts and skills to equip us. I think as we go through the book of Acts, we're going to be excited and inspired and growing as a church. We've got a friend named Tom Logue coming in in March, quite a prophetic guy, and he's going to be doing some prophetic training, helping us to hear God as a community. And I'm sure for some of you, you've never received a prophetic word. You've never heard God speak for yourself. And we would love you to grow in that so that we can minister to one another and we can minister to the people that we care about in our lives. And if you were there last year, we've got Sib Sabanda coming in again, I think in July. And he's going to be doing another faith and work like training or kind of conference for us. And he'll be helping us to bring Jesus into our workplace to where we spend most of life. So I'm hoping will really encourage us as a church. The third thing on our flyers, the third thing we see in Acts 14 is this call to multiply churches. And here in Acts 14, we see Paul gathering these people together and forming this new church community. It's quite an interesting thing you see throughout the book of Acts. When Paul first first starts meeting with these people, he calls them a group of disciples. And when he moves on, it's called a church. Quite a cool thing. Disciples, poof, transformed into a church. This group of Jesus followers are formed into this community of faith that are doing kind of this faith life, following Jesus thing together, and then going out to serve the world that is around them. And in the scriptures, we see the centrality and the importance of the church in the mission and purposes of God in the world. Sadly, so many people have been hurt by the church in our world. Someone I chatted to this week said, I've been burnt by five churches. But, oh, it's awful. And you will be hurt in this church. I'm very sorry about that. But everyone in this room is a sinner. Everyone is imperfect. All of us are flawed. We will let you down. We'll disappoint you. But Harbor City, can we commit to doing this thing together? As a group of disciples, be committed to this church and what God is wanting to do. Because the church is central and important to the purposes of God. Ephesians 3 verse 10 says, So that through the church, the manifold or multifaceted or diverse wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. What God is doing in our world, he is doing through the church. It is through the church that God's mission is advancing and almost the need of the world is being met by his love and power. And here we see in the book of Acts, Paul and probably this ragtag kind of group of misfits that are his team are planting and strengthening churches. They don't just want to see one strong church in one area, but they want to see strong churches everywhere to see those areas around them impacted by the message of God's grace and love. And I love that we as a church don't just exist for ourselves. This morning, for those of you in our pre-service prayer meeting, we prayed for West Point Church up in Kloof. It's their two-year anniversary today. It's their birthday party. We wanted to pray for them and what's coming up for them as a community. But we don't just want to exist for ourselves. We want to strengthen and serve and encourage churches in the city, in this country, and all around the world. And we want to continue praying and partnering and encouraging and serving and giving to see churches strengthened around the world. And as I was thinking about this for us in 2018, I thought of how Shell and I and Pumi and Eugene and Shane all preached in other churches last year. And I looked, it was in Kloof, it was in Dustin Hook and Middleburg and Mauritius in the USA and in Kenya. Different people kind of 
making disciples and strengthening churches just from this church. And I love that in November last year, just in one month, our church prayed for and partnered with and gave financially to a couple named Kyle and Kaya who are planting a church in Tunisia and to a couple named Cicely and Natabo who are planting a church into Kempton Park. And I love that nationally and internationally we would be serving the world by planting churches that are healthy communities that are making disciples and sharing the gospel of Jesus. The last thing we see here is this call to renew the city, to renew Durban. And we believe that the gospel changes people individually. You know, that makes sense. We've probably experienced it, many of us in this room. The message of Jesus is grace, is love, is truth, has started to change us from the inside out. And as that work is going on, and as that spreads through our own hearts and minds and lives, it starts to impact how we treat one another, impact our marriages, impact our families, impact our workplaces. All of a sudden, we're speaking differently and acting differently, and our priorities have changed, and our motives have changed. And the way that we are doing things starts to shape the world around us. We see the gospel doesn't just change individuals and people, but it begins to change a place. It begins to reshape cultures and reshape society. And in Acts 8 verse 8, we see this. After Philip has gone into a city, he's done ministry there. It says there was so much joy in that city. I really love that. Like I pray for Harbor City that we would be a community filled with joy. But I pray that because of Harbor City, Durban would be a city that is filled with joy. That's what we see throughout the scriptures. And we dream that Harbor City would be a church that doesn't just exist so that we've got a bunch of leaders in the church. We want that. We desire that. We want to equip you and train you for ministry in the church. But we want to be a church where we see each of you leading and planting businesses and leading industries and setting local and national policy, and having gospel influence over culture and society and politics and economics and media and the arts and education and the faith of Durban and South Africa, bringing Jesus and his message to bear on all of society and culture so that there would be much joy in the city. We know that our country and our city have a lot of needs. I looked at some of the greatest uh, threats or dangers that face Durban. The economic inequality, poverty and unemployment, the HIV and AIDS infection rates, the crime and violence, the huge prejudice and division, the fatherlessness and the family in crisis in our city. And there's a lot more. And we see that as Christians, because of how Jesus has served us and what he has given to us, we in turn want to serve and give to the people around us. As we see needs around us, we want to be serving and meeting those needs with the resources that we have found in Christ. And last year as a church, we were involved in paradigm shifting, a whole lot of people kind of trained as entrepreneurs and growing as disciples so that actually economically they could be stimulated and in their relationship with God they could be stimulated. We've got a number of people in this church who every week go into Durban Children's Home and are teaching some kids just to read better. And that sounds maybe like a small thing, but when you think of the reality that that could change their school experience, change their education, and change their opportunities in the future, we realize that that is a life-changing ministry of this church. We were involved in City Serve last year, partnering with churches around the city to kind of serve in a different number of different places in Durban. And last year, at the end of the year, we gave towards Durban Children's Home just to serve the kids at Christmas time. And I'm saying all of those things is what we do together, but I know that each one of you in your sphere of influence and in your life are serving and impacting people around you and renewing Durban in your own skin and your own space. And we want to pray like Jesus calls us to, that his kingdom would come 
and his will would be done in Durban as it is in heaven. But as he says later in Matthew 6, we also want to live for that. We want to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that we as individuals would be seeking to renew the place that we live. Our mission is to partner with Jesus in seeing Durban renewed and being a culture-shaping, disciple-making church. I think Harbor City, as we look at this, the reality is this isn't our mission, this is God's mission. Our job as a church is we get to partner with God and what he's already doing in Durban, what he's already wanting to do in people's lives. And we have this privilege to meet the world's greatest need with his love and power. That's what we get to do as the church, bringing those things together. I just want to say we don't want to be a church that talks about this once a year and where Courtney designed some beautiful flyers and we can kind of print that on there and put it on our website and put it on Instagram. And it's just that. We want this to go into our hearts. We want this to be real of our lives. We don't just want to be something we know. We want this to be something that we do. And I don't know where you are at with this today. I think maybe for some of us, this is intimidating, so we just push it away. I want to encourage you that the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us for mission. The Holy Spirit gives us what we need to be able to do this stuff. And I'd love to encourage you wherever you're at to ask the Spirit to help you, sweaty hands, whatever your story is, to take your next step in following Jesus today. And I'd love to ask you, if you don't mind closing your eyes, we're going to pray and then we'll go into a time of worship. But I I just almost thought of two pictures for us. The first is probably of some people at a starting line, kind of like the beginning of a race. And maybe some of you are new to all this stuff and you're excited to get started. I think today is a day where Jesus is saying, let's begin the race. But I also think for some of us, maybe sitting in these seats, you've been in church for a long time. You've been a Christian for a long time. And it's almost like there's cobwebs on your life when it comes to this part of following Jesus. Like you haven't moved in a long time. You haven't done anything in terms of mission in a long time. And I feel like the Spirit is highlighting today and just saying it's time to brush off those cobwebs and get up and go forward and take that next step. And I just want to ask you where you are, just for 30 seconds or a minute, just to engage with the Spirit of God and ask Him what He's saying to you. Maybe there's some area of conviction or challenge. Maybe there's some area of commissioning. Maybe you're feeling sad because you're like, I know exactly what it is. But let's just listen to the Holy Spirit and trust that God himself would speak to us about the mission he's called us to and what he wants from us and the role that you're called to play as we know Jesus and make Jesus known together as a church.